So good to worship with you guys this morning. I was just thinking about the graduates that um, finals are coming up, so we want you to pass your finals so we don't have to change the plaque that Doug gave you to 2024. We don't want to have to do that or anything, but you guys are really smart. I don't, I don't have any concerns about that for sure. But as I was thinking about and praying about um, the sermon for today, I was thinking about a charge. Like a lot of times you go to a commencement speech or something at a graduation, and I, to me, like I, I don't like those things. They go on forever. I'm like, please tell me this guy is not going to go on for like, or, or lady, for like an hour. Uh, but usually it's like a charge to go and pursue your dreams or a charge to do something like that. And if you remember at Doug's um, ordination um, service, I said it's a, a charge to preach the gospel and only the gospel. Um, and as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, a charge to remember daily um, the good news of the gospel uh, is the charge that I am putting on to the graduates. And a charge is not like you owe me something, like owe me money or something. It's saying, hey, go, I'm charging you to go out into this world. Uh, but one thing that I would teach you, if I could, is one thing, and that is a daily reminder of the gospel. Whether that's knowing where in Scripture to find that, to remind yourself, but also to surround yourself with people who remind you as well. It's extremely important. And so if there's one advice that I could give you, one charge, it would be that. Um, I asked Kelsey permission to share this, but it was, uh, well, it was a couple months ago. She said, hey, my oil change light is, is on. The light to change the oil is on. It needs to be changed. I said, okay, well, I'll get around to doing that. And a week had gone by, and she's like, Dad, you got to change my oil, like my, it's out of oil, like you've got to change it, I'm like, well, no, 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 it's not out of oil, it's just getting bad, it needs to be changed, it's not that it's out of oil, it's out of oil, it'd be making all kinds of weird noises, um, but it just needs to be, it needs to be changed, but that light, right, in our car, it, it's there to tell us that something is wrong, like something needs attention, light was saying, hey, something is wrong with your car, and some of you may just put a piece of like electric tape over it and say, not today, Satan, I don't know. Like, I'm, not, I'm just going to ignore this light. I don't know, does anyone here do that? They're just like, uh, forget about it. I'm just going to hide the, take a, a marker and mark over it so I don't, I don't see it. But we, we don't want to see those lights come on, right? Like we, we just don't want to see that because it does mean that something is wrong. And, and one, we could just ignore it. We could, we could just be like, ah, it'll be fine, I'll deal with this later. Or we could try to do a workaround, like we'll just clean the car, or we'll just reset the countdown without getting a little change, like that'll fix it, that'll stop flashing at me, no problem. Or there's other things we could do to work around to just try to take our mind off of the fact that there's something wrong with the car. Or you could take it to a professional, somebody who knows what they're doing to change the oil and just get the oil changed. And I think in the world today, so many people are so confused about God and the gospel of Jesus that like the light that comes on in our car, God has a way to tell us a light that comes on, says something is wrong, and it's, and it's a sin in our lives. 
saying that something is, is wrong. And the world, honestly, just don't know what to do about it. They tried a lot of things. Like, we tried to go to church. Like, I don't want to be like those people. Like, I don't know what's going on. I've tried to do a lot of good in my life, and it doesn't seem to be helping at all in the long run. It just makes me kind of tired and miserable. I don't know what to do anymore, so I'm just going to quit trying. I'm just going to put some tape over that, that light that's flashing at me that something is, something is wrong. But I honestly believe that people are hungry for truth. Not something fake, not some things that I've seen out there that are just totally not correct, biblically, but people are truly hunger, hungry for truth. And honestly, a lot of people are just not going to find it in the church because they're just not going to come. It takes you and me to remind and tell people in a loving way, just like, hey, this is truth. And if you're that today, like, you're like, what is this guy going to say? Like, I didn't come here to be preached at, whatever. I just want to pray right now, just say, like, God, open our hearts to just truth. Because it really is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. It really is good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray today you would just open our hearts and open our minds. Let us see you for who you are. Lord, there's so many things, so many misinformation, so many barriers and roadblocks and, and, and walls that we have up to you. And I pray, Lord, those things will be torn down and we would see you clearly for the first time and understand your truth clearly for the first time. And all God's people said, amen. You've heard the truth and the truth will set you free. I heard this quote, it says, when you know truth, it will first make you mad. Then it'll set you free. I think there's some truth to that. It'll first make you mad when you hear truth. Like what about this one? When the ice cream truck comes by and the music's playing, that actually means they're out of ice cream. That's not really true. You can tell your kids, you can use that with your kids if you want. (laughs) It really means they're out, like sorry. We keep missing them every time, I don't know. Pickles come from cucumbers. Some people don't know that. Like I grew up on a farm and we pickle things and some people just don't know. Cucumbers come from pickles. There are carrots in carrot cake. My wife is all about putting sneaking vegetables in things. I think we need more carrot cake. There's actually like true carrots, like shaved carrots. Did anybody not know? I mean, did that make anyone angry? Like I'm eating vegetables in my... Cake, I don't know. So see, truth will make you angry at first, and then you accept it. So, also the last one is that moose. How do you say multiple moose? Like plural, plural mooses, moose. It's just moose, right? They're they're not really real. You know that, right? Mice. mice. I I'm from the Show Me State. Like I've never seen a moose. I go to zoos. I've driven a little bit far north, not too far. I've never seen one, like, in life, so I really don't think these things are real, but some people say they've seen them. I don't know. You, Kevin, you've seen them? Okay. All right. The Bible says you need two witnesses. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Kristen. Okay. All right. Well, maybe, maybe they're real. But I want you and I want our graduates to know truth, and that truth will maybe make you angry, but it will set you free. 
So there's three things, graduates, that I want you to know, and everyone else here as well. There's not three things. There's one thing that I want you to know, and there's, there's three parts to that. Uh, the first one, the main point is that God loves you. He truly, truly does love you. Like, if there's any doubt in your mind that God loves you, I pray that you just able to get that out of your mind to know that God truly, truly loves, loves every one of us. The first part of that, that God loves you, is because of Christ, but it's, we can call him Abba, Father. That's the love that God has for us, that we can call him Father. Second part of that is there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. None. I don't know what the dictionary definition of none is, but it, it really means just none. There's no condemnation, no condemnation for those in Christ. And the third one is that nothing, if you're in Christ, nothing can separate you from his love. Again, I don't know what the Webster definition of nothing is, but it's, it's nothing. Nothing can separate you. So I pray that's written on your heart this morning, that God loves you. You can call him Abba Father. There's no condemnation, and there's nothing you can do to separate his love from you. Where you can find that in the Bible, um, if you ever are like, man, I just need to be reminded of this good news of the gospel, not only for our graduates, but for every single person that's here, Romans chapter 8. It's like in the middle of Romans. Romans, you can remember that, like Romans, occupation, Romans, you're probably studying about Romans a lot in college, but remember Romans chapter 8, the middle of it, you can turn to there and you can be reminded of the gospel. I know you're 18 years old, you can even get a tattoo, like Romans, R-O-M, 8, check with your parents first, I know you're 18. You can even like stand for like ramen noodles, like ramen noodles are really important in college, I didn't know if you knew. My roommate didn't like ramen noodles, so I get like a big thing of ramen noodles and keep it because I knew he wouldn't eat them, and so I like always have some type of food. But ramen, Romans eight. Riley, I know your parents aren't here. Please don't get a tattoo. Romans eight. Without ask, talking to them first, but like, what did Pastor Gene talk about? Oh, he talked about getting a tattoo. It's probably not good, but but Romans eight to remind ourselves of the gospel. Um, but first, I think before we get into Romans 8, and we're going to go through this pretty quick. I'd encourage you to go back and read it. But before we get into Romans 8, I think it's really important to read the last part of Romans 7. And what we're looking at here in 22 through 25 is Paul, right? He was like persecuting the Christians. He was approving for them to be murdered. He was like the Jews, Jew of the Jew. And then, and then God appeared to him, and he became a believer. And then he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament is like if we wanted to be like an example of a Christian, we would be like, be like him, be like, be like Paul. And so coming from Paul, who was like the model Christian, I want you to hear his words from someone who had spent like three years with God before he started his ministry, and then he's like the man of the man when it comes to Christians. Here's what I want you to hear him say in verse 22 through 25. He said, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. And the law, of course, is God's standard, the Ten Commandments, all the laws of God. He says, For I delight in the law of God. We have morality. We have the law written on our heart. We know what's right or wrong. He says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see, he says, but, but I see my members... In my members, another law waging war 
against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And here it is. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Other part says I, I do the things that I don't want to do. Wretched man that I am. And then verse 25, here's the gospel, the good news. But it says sometimes, some translation says, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God through Jesus our Lord. That's the gospel in a nutshell. It's like, I do the things I don't want to do. I'm a sinner. I can't do anything to please God, but thanks be to God for Jesus because he did it for me. I mean, that's the gospel in a nutshell. And we rest in that. We have peace and freedom and, and joy. Oh, wretched man that I am, tired and worn down and so sinful, breaking God's laws, who will deliver me from this body of death? This body of sin. And as believers, we're, we're alive. We're alive spiritually. You put your faith and trust in Jesus, you come alive spiritually. But you also have this body of death that we're attached to. This body of death that does the things that we don't want to do, that we know is not pleasing to God. But, but yet at times we just can't seem to help ourselves. We just do it because we're sinful. And God knew that. That's why he had to send Jesus. This is kind of gruesome, but back in the day, um, certain kings, who clearly not Christians, um, to torment prisoners, they would take a dead body and tie it to a live prisoner and make them carry that around. Too glad you didn't live back then. I thought politics were bad today. Like, that's terrible. But it's a good analogy of like you and me. Like we, we are in Christ and we are alive spiritually, but we also have this dead body that we're dragging around that does the things we don't want to do. And it's like our sin and it's like our human nature, the sinful human nature that was passed on from Adam and Eve. It's a really good analogy of that, even though it's kind of gruesome to think about. But in chapter 7, 25, it says, Thanks be to God, through Jesus our Lord, even though Paul could look past himself and his sinful nature, and he does the things that he doesn't want to do, but yet he can be thankful to God because of Jesus. And then in verse 25, he says, Thanks be to God, through, through, that word through, Jesus. And it's like this picture illustration of that he is looking at the Father who holds the perfect standard, the perfect justice, the law. There's the Father, but in between me and you and the Father stands Jesus. But thanks be to God through Jesus. Through Jesus. He stands between us and the Father. Isn't that good news? Well, let's get back to the tattoos. All right, chapter 8. We're going to read that here in just a minute. Um, but there was this uh, theologian. You won't know who it was. I didn't know who it was. But his name is Griffith Thomas. And he, d- he didn't start Wendy's. But Griffith Thomas. And here's what he wrote about chapter 8 of Romans. He said, 
I suppose if Scripture were a golden ring, that the book of Romans would be the diamond on that golden ring. And Romans 8 would be the sparkle on the diamond of that golden ring. And the cool thing about Romans chapter 1, it says, For therefore there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no, zero condemnation. There's no guilt. You're not found guilty. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That's one bookend. On the bookend of the last part of chapter 8, it says there is no separation. There is nothing, no powers, no principalities, no people, no person, no nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God that he has for you because of Christ Jesus. So one bookend, there's no condemnation. On the other bookend in Romans chapter 8, there's no separation. That's why it's a sparkle on the top of the diamond. And that's what I want our graduates, that's what I want you to remember So chapter 1, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I ask this, does God punish you? Does he condemn you? Does he disapprove of you? Does he find you guilty in any way if you are in Christ? Answer that is no. God punished Christ on the cross for you so that you would never have to be punished or condemned. If you're in Christ Jesus. If you believe that or not. If you remind yourself of that every, every day. If you live that way. It really tells me a lot. About your beliefs. About who Jesus is. And what Christianity really is. Because that is the good news of the gospel. Verse 1 and 2, it is past tense. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free. Not if you do this and in the future God will approve of you. It says, no, therefore, because of Christ, this has happened. There is no condemnation. It's happened in the past. You're in Christ in the past. It's in the past and it will be forever. Verse 3 for 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for the sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. There is a law, and outside of Christ we are found guilty and found condemned. So any of the graduates, Kelsey... Any of the graduates, confession time. We're going to do, you can confess things, or we're not going to confess to one another. We're going to confess things to God. Anyone get a speeding ticket? Yeah, you're uh, 18, so two years now. Lydia, you're a good driver, I know. Kelsey, no, no speeding, no speeding ticket. Came, came close once, I think. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't ask you if I could say that, but that's a different story. But assume you did get a speeding ticket. And you're like, man, I just, I'm guilty. I'm just going to go and stand in front of the judge. They're going to say guilty. I'm going to have to write a, you know, make a lot of money payment. And you get up in front of the judge and the judge says, why are you, why are you here? He says, well, I was speeding. I'm guilty. I need to pay my fine. I said, well, no, the, the guy that was here before you, he paid your, he paid your fine. 
you're good to go. You're innocent. There's no condemnation. You're, you're innocent. Like, go have fun. Enjoy your new freedom. Like, that's the gospel. Like, we deserve the punishment. We were guilty. But somebody paid the penalty for us out of love. You may have heard the Fifth, the fifth Amendment, the double jeopardy. Like, you can't be found. You can't be tried for the same thing twice. Like, that's just against our Constitution, to be tried for the same thing twice. Same thing with Christianity. Like, you are found innocent. There's no condemnation. You can't be tried again. Like, the Bible is clear that Jesus is there, and he's interceding for us. He's sitting at the right-hand throne of God, and he's telling the Father, I've already taken the punishment for them. You can't punish them twice. Therefore, he stands between us, and he's telling the Father, I took the punishment. I took on their sin. You can't punish them twice. You're like, so many car illustrations today. Could have done Jesus take the will, but I spared you that one, I guess. It was on my mind, but. (laughs) Yeah, Nathan's going to sing that on the way out. (laughs) But the same is with you, that you are not guilty, not condemned because of the payment that Christ made for you. Verse 15, here's the second part of that as we move along here. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Because of what Christ did for us, the relationship is restored, and now we, can, we are adopted by God, and now we are called sons daughters cry out Abba Father we know like he is our father there's nothing that's going to separate us from that love that he has for us there's nothing going to separate us from the inheritance that we have of eternal life he's always going to love us we mess up we come to him say hey I'm sorry forgive me he, he forgives us every single time he loves you just as I love Kelsey the love that I have for her are never going to change there may be some things we need to talk about every once in a while, but that love is never going to change. Abba, Father. You see, rabbis before Jesus, they called him rabbis. They taught their students um, to have, to, they never taught their students to have a personal relationship with God. That wasn't even part of what they were teaching. It was very formal. It was very distant. It was very remote. It was kind of a put off if you were to refer God in a, a relationship, a personal way. They even said when they pray, not even to call God, God. They wouldn't even call him Yahweh. They would say, Hashem, Hashem. Hebrew for the name. That's what they would call when they prayed to God. Hashem, Hashem, the name. Wouldn't even say his, wouldn't even say his name because it's not personal. They don't teach that. But Jesus teaches us, you pray this way, our Father, Abba, who art in heaven. So he teaches us to pray. Pray this way, our Father, who art in heaven. It's a relationship restored by Jesus. It's our Father. It's not a religion. So verse 38 through 39. 
the last sub-point of that. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor anything present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation. I'm going to repeat that. Nor anything else in all creation. And this is God's word, his truth. Anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Even a wretched sinful man like myself and all of us could do anything to separate us from the love that God has for us. Nothing. It's impossible. You can try if you want, but God's word is true. So here's all I want you to hear as we're wrapping this up. You cannot be set free until you truly believe who God says you are in Christ Jesus. And some of you, it's going to make mad. You're going to get mad. Like, truth first makes you mad. This may be making you upset. You may be saying, well, where's the condemnation? And where's the hell and brimstone? Like, where's the, you got to follow these rules I've been working to please God, and you're telling me that means nothing? And this makes me mad. I've dedicated my whole life to doing something I didn't even want to do. Or I've been running from something because I didn't want to be like that. Now you're telling me that if I put my faith and trust in Jesus, that's all that it takes to never be condemned, to never be separated. That's what I'm telling you. That's who God says you are in Christ. You say, well, it can't be that easy. God says, I'll lead you beside still waters. I'll make you lay down in green pastures. I will lead you beside still waters. My yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Truth will make you free. Most people are working towards God's approval. You get so tired. You see religious people who are working towards God's approval, and they say, I don't want to be like that. There's a problem with religious people who are working towards God's approval. They know they can't live up to God's standard, which makes them mad, and then they, they judge everyone else and try to make them live up to God, everyone else's standard, and they can't live up to their standard that they've set, and that makes them mad too, so they're just angry people. It's not a religion. If you don't believe me, look at Galatians 1.8. Paul writes in there, If anyone, even angels, come to you and teach you anything other than the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that it is finished on the cross, to them be cursed, to them be damned. Even an angel, don't listen to them. So I ask this question, can God stop loving his son, Jesus? He can't. And if you are in Christ, he can't stop loving you either. He can't. It's who he is. It's his nature. And you say, well, pastor, you've got to stop telling people this. They're just going to go out and 
sin and do all these crazy things. They're not going to come to church next Sunday. You can't be telling people all these things. And it's, a, it's not this religious legalism. And that God's kingdom is different than this kingdom. It's upside down. It's flipped on its head compared to what this world says. This world would say work hard and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do all these things to try to make somebody happy, to accomplish the things that you want in your life. And God's kingdom says put your faith and trust in Jesus. Come to the end of yourself. Humble yourself. Be like a child. Have faith like a child. Believe in what Jesus did. And out of that love, you realize that and you rest in that, that it's not based on me, that God just truly loves me. You rest in that. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. I'm not trying to please anyone else. I'm not trying to please God. Like Christ already did that. The amazing thing with that is like we call him Abba Father because it's like unconditional love. And it's easier for us to love God back, right? And when we start loving God back, he starts working in our lives. That's the kingdom of the kingdom of God. So there's a warning light on in life. It's telling us something is wrong. But don't get mad at the light, which is, that's on, that's the law. The law is only there. It's written on our heart, the Ten Commandments. The law is only there. It's not, the law is not sin. The law is pointing out to us that something is wrong. We have sin within us. We have a problem when we need help. It separates us from God and it leads to death. And then you could only be set free by putting your faith in Jesus. By resting in him. Yes, we will struggle. We got this fleshy body that we're attached to. (laughs) It's always going to be there on this side of eternity anyway. But if you do, you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Christ stands between you and God. And he he tells his father, "I I took his punishment. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. You are in Christ. He is in you. No more than can the father stop loving his son. Could he ever stop loving you? No more than he could condemn his son. He couldn't condemn you. No more than he could never separate himself from the love that he has for his son. That he couldn't separate himself from the love that he has from you. I pray this is setting you free today. It's not based on anything that you do other than your faith in what Christ has already done for you. It's done. Jesus said it is finished. It's finished. The work is over. Just rest. Be set free. If you've never done that, put your faith in Jesus. Never heard that before. I would encourage you to read Romans 8. God is speaking to your heart. Say, Lord, I, I realize now I'm a sinner that separates from me from you. I want to I stop trying to please you and stop running and stop putting tape over the light. I just want to put my faith in Jesus. And I just want to love you as you love me. I'm going to pray in a minute and then... Um, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. 
And so we'll have a couple lines come up. You'll go back to your seat, and um, Nathan will play just a little bit. And we'll just, what you do is just reflect and say, God, is there anything on my heart that you want me to bring to you? Um, and that's between you and God, right? And so, and then um, after that period of time, we'll take the elements together as a church. And we'll have one more song, and then we, we, will, we will be dismissed. So let us pray. Dear the Father, Lord, I pray um, as you charge us to remember um, through your word that those that are in Christ through faith in him alone, there is 0.000 condemnation that we have been found innocent, that we cannot be retried. And that there is nothing that can separate us from the love that you have from us. No matter how far we run, no matter how hard we try, there is no condemnation. There is no separation. Lord, I pray that we stop running, we stop trying to do things that you haven't even asked us to do, to try and please you. If there's something that you've asked us to do and we're doing it, we'll know because we'll have joy. So, Lord, I pray that we are reminded of that. We are reminded that we can call you Abba, Father, that you are our Father, we are children. You're not expecting us to act like adults <laughs> and be, be everything. We, you're expecting us to rely on you as our Father, and to just have faith like children that you love us, that you sent your Son to take care of the sin that we have that separates us from you, that you said, I know you can't do it because you're just children, so I'm going to send my Son, Jesus, to die for you. That's how much our Father loves us. people who are wretched, who don't do the things that God wants us to do. He still loves us. What a loving Father we have. I pray as we are preparing our hearts to receive the elements that we are reminded of Jesus, the sacrifice that he made, and the love that God demonstrated to us through his son Jesus I pray that we're reminded of that and all God's people said